Welcome to the teaching ministry of pastors Carl and Cheryl Thomas. Our favorite verse is Habakkuk 2.14, where the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Consumed by that revelation, we are committed to recognizing, resourcing, and releasing high-impact ministries resulting in global glory, transforming lives to impact their world. We have a teaching that will impact you today. Now, let's get right into that word. I don't know about you, but I feel really good. You feel really good? And it's not about feelings, but it's good to have some. How many know the Lord's tangible? It says that. If you look up Ephesians 3.19, he said, I don't want you just to have a knowledge, a head knowledge of God. I want you to have an experiential, tangible knowledge, a real knowledge of his presence with you. Amen? Didn't George do a good job today? He's trying so hard. He's just doing good. There's... <laughs> Man, I tell you, blessed me a lot. All right, I'm just going to do an introduction today about where we're headed. Are you excited about uh, 365 days going through the Word together? How many, how many started reading getting ahead of yourself a little bit? Just started reading a little bit? How many found that you just did it just to see how long is this going to take me every day? Who did that? You know? <laughs> how many found it's not that bad, is it? It's really, you know what, was that all it was? And then you just kept reading and went ahead? Tell you, in the first week, there's a lot of Jesus in the first week of your readings. You'll see Jesus all over those pages. And that's our quest, is to see Jesus all over the scripture and to see the pursuit of God everywhere in the word for you. You know, somewhere Western religion, the Western Christianity got so messed up then we got messed up into thinking that we had to somehow crawl back into God's favor. And, you know, in, in, in the Eastern uh, world, they, they still kept that it was God pursuing us. But somewhere over here, we, we turned into, we've got to get back in his good graces and it became us pursuing him and religion got ugly. But you're going to find out this year in the word that it's all about his pursuit of you. And you're going to see how nuts he is about you. And that's going to radically transform your life. You will not recognize yourself by the end of next year. Because the word's going to work in you in a big, big way. Can I get a hallelujah? Daryl, can I get a glory to God back there? <laughs> All right, come on. We're going to jump into the Jesus trip. Give me a slide. Let me see what I got here. Boom. How many ever read that book? You ever saw that book? Ever saw it? It actually was, I think it's 2008, September 9th. I got all these trees in front of my slides. It's kind of, but Simon & Schuster published it. A.J. Jacob still writes books. A.J. Jacob, he's a, he describes himself as an agnostic Jew. He says, I'm, I'm about as much of a Jew as in a person going to Olive Garden would be an Italian. But that's, that's what he says about himself. But, but I went to Olive Garden yesterday, by the way, just telling you. It was awesome. I enjoyed it. Amen. So, just in case you had to smell my breath, you would know that I had some garlic. All right. A.J. Jacob, he, he wrote a book called uh, The Year of Living Biblically. Now, they, they actually did, a, they were going to do a sitcom. How many of you remember that? They were going to do a sitcom, A Year of Living Biblically. And uh, it actually, they only did the pilot and the whole thing crashed and burned. But it was kind of funny. But this guy really did this. What he did was he took the word, he studied the whole Bible, and he looked at all the commandments in the Bible, New Testament, Old Testament, looked at all the commandments in the Bible, and he said, I'm going to do everything that the Bible tells you to do. I'm going to, everything that the word says, I'm going to honor and I'm going to obey. So he did things like he would not wear blended materials. Like uh, in, the, in the law, it says you can't wear blended things. You can't, if you're going to wear cotton, you have to wear cotton. Like if any of you are wearing blended polyester cotton right now, you broke the law. You came to church, you broke the law. 
all kinds of stuff. I mean, so many things like his beard, his beard grew. He looked like a big shaggy mess because there's things that men couldn't do with their beards. He used to carry his own chair around with him. And he used to go in the subways and he'd sit on his own chair because he felt, who knows who's been in here? I could sit on a chair where someone unclean has sat. And so he could not, he can't sit where someone unclean has. So he'd always be walking around with his own little folding chair. It was really, really strange. He felt if there were some women, it was maybe that time of the month, he'd stay away from them because they were unclean. Weird. He even had a friend who confessed to him at work that he'd committed adultery with somebody else at work. And then he saw him later that week, and he saw him in, in uh, Central Park. He lived in New York. And when he saw him, he picked up a whole bunch of pebbles, and he went up behind him, and he kept throwing rocks at him. And this guy was like, what's going on? This guy couldn't tell, but he, he was stoning him for being adulterer. <laughs> He went to really crazy lengths. Finally, his wife, he did it for the whole year, but at the end of the year, his wife was like, this has to end. She says, honestly, I'm just going to kill you because she couldn't stand you know, being with the guy anymore. The sad thing about that, though, is that you know, you might, somebody might read that book and think that's what it means to live biblically, and that has nothing to do with trying to live biblically. And you see, we're going to enter into year. We're going to read the whole Bible. We're going to look at all these things in the Bible. And, but, you know, the Bible is an interesting book, and you've got to understand what that book is about, or you could approach it like this guy, just a total agnostic, and just take a book and think that, well, I guess there's a bunch of stuff in here. If you do this, you'll have a better life. And I think there's a lot of believers, even New Testament believers, who think that the way to a better life is just try to do everything the Bible tells you to do. And, you know, that's not why the Bible was written. It's not written as a bunch of lists. If you do the list, you'll have a good life. That's not why the Bible was written. And you'd be totally messed up if you think that's what the Bible's about. And if that's how you approach this book that we're going to read through the whole year, if you approach it this year thinking, now everything I see in here, I got to take it flat line. I got to take it all literally and I got to obey it. You're going to get messed up because that's the wrong approach to take to the word of God. And yet so many Christians think that's why you get into the book. It's not pastor. King. The Bible was not given to man so that he could fix his story. The Bible was not given to man so he could hit fix his story. The Bible is his story and how you can find your place in his story. And you have to approach it that way. You have to. You don't find 10 steps to a better life in the Bible. You get to read about a God who through his son took 10,000 steps towards you. And when you get a revelation of how nuts he is about you and what lengths he will go to to bring you into the full revelation that you are a son that he loves, believe me, there's no 10-step program that could do for you and your heart and your life what it is to get a revelation of he is my father. And if you are focused on the do's and the don'ts, you're going to miss the whole purpose for which the story was written. And so we got to approach it with all the right reasons. Don't approach the Bible like, I think some people even stay away from the Bible. Wow. I mean, come on, how many put something together at Christmas and you know what? The how to put it together thing, you never even looked at it, you just went at it yourself. Because who loves those lists? I know there are some people who actually love those lists and read the manuals. I don't know who they are, it's not me. But some people think that this is a manual. God gave us the manual. This is the manual. It's the Bible, the B-I-B-L-A. It's the basic instructions before leaving earth. Hallelujah. Is <laughs> that so what they say? B-I-B-L-E. But it's not. This is a love story. 
It's not an instruction manual. It's not some mechanic book on how to fix yourself. It's a beautiful revelation of how passionate God is about you and his passion for you. And a revelation and a self-disclosure of how wonderful and incredible God is. Amen. Now, 1 Samuel 14, 19 to 22 says, There was no metal worker to be found throughout the land of Israel. For the Philistines said, Lest the Hebrews make swords or spears. Now, on purpose, the Philistines, when they conquered the Israelites, they took all the blacksmiths out. They blew up all the blacksmiths' places, blew them all up. Because, and if you want, had to get your, uh, any of your tools sharpened or anything, you had to go to a Philistine guide just to even to get a tool sharpened because they removed any ability to create swords or to create anything, uh, weapons whatsoever. They took them all out of the land. They, they didn't want them to make swords or spears. So on the day of the battle, on the day of battle, say on the day of battle, on the day of battle, there were no swords. There wasn't a spear found in the hand of any of the men of Saul. Isn't that amazing? We're going to go to battle now. What do you got? Well, I got this hoe. <laughs> you know, I, I got this little instrument that I used to scratch at the soil. But you don't have any real weapons. And you know, the enemy has always been saying, I'm going to get the word of God away from believers. I'm going to take the word from them. I don't want them to really get it. I don't want them to really understand the revelation of the word of God. Because I can keep that from them. And you see, I love what Henry was saying. So you're going to get a revelation of the word of God. And you're going to get a revelation of him in that word. You're going to get a revelation of the glory of God. And the spirit is going to take that word and is going to make it meat and drink to you in a big way this year. Amen. Settle down. I know you're excited. So, but not one, except Saul and Jonathan, only two swords in all the land. The enemy always tries to keep you from the word. Mark chapter 4, 15. Satan came immediately. He comes immediately, and he takes away the faith. Takes away your hope. Takes away, no, what does he, he takes away the word. The many leading, because where does faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word? And the enemy is always going to take the word. Right in the beginning, you're going to read that when you get into Genesis. You're going to read when the enemy comes to Eve and he says, did God really say? And right away, he's going to attack the word. He's going to try to distort the word. He's going to try to deceive. That's why we got to approach the word with a proper revelation and a proper understanding. Ephesians 6, 17 says, take up the helmet of salvation and the sword that the spirit wields, which is the word of God. See, for the spirit, for the rhema word, for the spirit to wield, for the spirit to even in you and by the spirit for you to use the word of God, you have to have the logos. You have to have revelation of the word of God before the spirit can take something up and wield it in your life. You have to have revelation of the word. And also love what Henry said. It's the voice. Hearing the voice. Hearing the voice of God, hearing the living word of God. So often we think word just means, you know, the Bible. We follow the word. But Jesus said, I, I follow the, the word, the proceeding word. Not just the word, but the proceeding word. And it's a now word. It's a present word. It's a word of today. Thank you for that response. Voltaire, he was a French philosopher, and Voltaire, his, one of his quotes, he said, God is a comedian playing to an audience that is too afraid to laugh. That was Voltaire. You see, he could not believe Christianity. He thought they were all a bunch of crazy, just fools. And he said, a hundred years from my day, there will be not a Bible. There will not be a Bible in earth except one that is looked upon as an antiquarian curiosity seeker. 
See, he said the, the word of God is just stupid. You see, that's what the enemy does. The enemy is always constantly trying to attack the word of God. But Voltaire also, French philosopher, but he had a home in Geneva. And you know what happened 100 years later in his home in Geneva? The Bible Society bought that home, and it became a home where they published the Bibles. <laughs> So not only 100 years later did the word not disappear, on that place, on the property that he owned and purchased, the Bible literally multiplied and was extended. I think God does those things on purpose. You know what? You don't mock God. You don't, you don't mock him. Not a chance. So that was Voltaire. So always, and even today, the word. I mean, there's people trying to attack the word. There's all kinds of smarty pants thinking they know better than the word of God. But often it's because people have misinterpreted or, or misunderstood how to approach the word of God or what the word of God is. So there's four basic types of revelation. Just basic, four basic types. You ready? There's general revelation. That's just nature itself. There's a revelation of God itself in nature. There's specific revelation, which is Jesus. When God said, I'm going to get really specific and I'm going to get incredibly clear, he sent Jesus. Jesus is specific, clear revelation. Then there's the Spirit, the Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost is going to lead us into all truth. So there's Holy Spirit revelation, hearing, living with that abiding voice of God. And then there's biblical revelation, which is the written word of God, which I think is fantastic. You know, this Bible's been attacked for generations, and yet this Bible stands alone as the most amazing, authentic book, antiquity book, history book, a book of revelation. This book has been more authentic than any other written document ever. It's withstood every single test that man could put to it. And the Word of God is powerful, and it's a wonderful type of revelation. We're going to spend the whole year, we only got one sermon series next year, and it's called The Jesus Trip. And today, The Jesus Trip begins. General Revelation, John 1, 3, it says, All things were made through him, and without him, nothing was made that was made. It's not a single thing that was made that was made without him. God is in every single thing. God made everything. Jesus, the living word of God, by the word of God, the spirit of God hovered over the chaos and the word spoke and there was light. Let there be light. Every single thing was created by him, through him, and for him. Every single thing we see. Romans 1.20, for since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen. His invisible attributes. Since the creation of the world, what is invisible, the things we can't see or even know about God physically or tangibly, they've been revealed. They've been revealed. His invisible attributes are clearly seen. Wow. The invisible attributes of God are clearly seen. They're clearly seen. Even made, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that all men, all people, anyone who'd say, I didn't know there was a God. Every single person is without excuse just because revelation, the general manifestation of creation itself, declares there is God. And he's awesome. He's wonderful. He's incredibly detailed and specific. Just look at you. Pretty awesome. That's pretty special. You see how amazing God is. Specific revelation. Hebrews 1, 1 to 3. God at various times and various ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets. So God spoke. He spoke at various times in various ways. I mean, there's a whole bunch of people that God tried to communicate through. But how many know if you're going to communicate through somebody, I could tell you to tell somebody something, and I hope that you're going to make that pretty clear to them. But how many know if I tell you to go tell somebody something, it's going to go through the filter of you? 
I could say, could you tell them to get over here? And you could go say, get your freaking butt in the chair now. Well, that's not what I said. Oh, I know, I just added a little to it. It goes through a filter. It goes through things. You see, God himself, God's own word is saying, I was trying to communicate. I was doing my best to really talk to you. I was. At various ways, at various times, I did my best to speak to you, all right? But in these last days, now, I'm going to speak by myself. He says, in the last days now, I have spoken to you by his son. And what is my son? Here's what I'm able to say. When my son speaks, I speak. He says, my son is the brightness of the glory. He is the express image of the person of the Father. I totally trust my son to completely and fully and in every way express me. Therefore, if you read anything in the Bible that does not fit through the filter of Jesus, throw it out. Really, Pastor? Really? I'm not kidding. Because if he was trying to communicate back then, he's saying, I'm really specifically communicating now. That's why you've got to even look at all the other stuff through the filter of Jesus, because the whole story is trying to tell his story, and we're going to see Jesus. You're going to see Jesus on every single page, because that's the purpose of God in this whole thing. And when you look at it with a proper filter, you can get it, and you can understand it, but it's important that you do that. Colossians 1.15, he is the image of the invisible God the firstborn over all creation. The Amplified says, now he is the exact likeness of the unseen God, the visible representation of the invisible. Jesus is the specific, clear, absolute revelation of God the Father. The Spirit, John 16, 13, however, when he, the Spirit, that third person of the Trinity, when he comes, the Spirit of truth, when he has come, he will guide you into all truth for he will not speak on his own authority but what he hears he will speak and he will tell you things to come that's why i just wanted to hear from some people who the spirit of god is in tell me what's coming tell me what's happening because god is speaking god is always speaking and he's speaking to his children and he's saying things to us about what is to come john 10 27 right here my sheep hear my voice i know them and they follow me Self-authenticating. When God speaks, his word is innately authenticated by the hearer. See, what Henry was saying was that you innately, you are designed to hear the voice of God. You don't need to be spiritually deaf and dumb. God has given you the innate ability to hear his voice. You are his sheep. And he says in his word, my sheep hear my voice. Right? So say, I'm a sheep. I can hear. But it says, be careful what you hear. Because some of you can hear my voice. But you're not listening. Oh, oh, oh. So I'll pay attention again. That's why we throw slides up and stuff like that. And put it on the website so you can listen to it again. Because it's hard to pay attention for a long time. Is it just me? Or is it hard? All right, good. Some of your texting people and some of your balancing your book and checking to see if you got enough money to buy lunch. And I saw you. It's okay. It's all right. No condemnation to those who are not paying attention. Biblical. Let's get the biblical. Here's where we're going. We're going biblical. 
All right, biblical, John 5, 39 to 40, from the message, the message, it says, you have your heads in your Bibles constantly because you think you'll find eternal life there. You have your heads in your Bibles constantly because you think you'll find eternal life there. But you miss the forest for the trees. These scriptures are all about me. Jesus said all those scriptures point to me. And the crazy thing is you're approaching the scriptures in the wrong way. You're approaching the scriptures and trying to find what things do we need to obey and uh, what else should we do and all these things. You're looking at it like it's a rule book instead of a, a manifestation of a person. And see, the scriptures are about me, and here I am, he said. See, all those scriptures, they all point to me. Because when, when, when Saul wanted to know where, uh, or Herod wanted to know where, where's the Christ child going to be born, they all went, it's going to be born in Bethlehem. They all knew. But when he was born, they should have known it was now. But they didn't know. Because they weren't looking for him. They were looking for a rule book. They were looking for a textbook. They were reading 10 principles to apply to my neighbor. But the scriptures, they're all about me. And here I am. I'm standing right in front of you. And you are not willing to receive from me the life you say you want. I'm going to the Bible to try to learn how to live right. Wow. You know, literally that is there. But it's how you get into the word. How to live right is there. But how to live right is in a relationship with Jesus. How to live right is to be led by the Spirit of God. How to live right isn't waking up every day. Okay, what do I got to obey today? Oh, does it say anything in there about driving? Because I'm going to drive today. Here, I'll give you a rule about driving. Love your neighbor. I was at a pastor's prayer meeting. It was right here in this church. It was just before they were going to have the parade for uh, all the, the pride parade. And I had a pastor come and sit down. He says, first thing, we need to pray against that parade. That was the first thing. I said, I said, how do you pray against a parade? Do we want like a hurricane or like a, a flood or lightning? or Oh, I don't know, but we got to pray against that. And I said, wow, there's going to be a bunch of people in town walking down the street. And you know, a whole bunch of those people are my neighbors. How about we just pray we love our neighbors? And they all looked at me like I had four eyes. And I didn't even have my glasses on. <laughs> but, you know, a few weeks later, I was golfing with one of them. He says, you know that parade thing? I went, yeah, I think you're right. You think? Wow. Anyway, I don't know where that came from. Just threw it out just for you. Biblical, biblical. John 5, 13. These things I have written to you who believe I've written. See, I've written. Why'd I write it? I wrote it down. I wrote some stuff. John wrote it. John said, these things I've written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. The Bible. Are you ready? Here's the Bible. Two Testaments, an old and a new. There's 66 books. There's 31,102 verses. There's six, depending on your translation, there's 1,663 commands. There's 240 different authors. I thought God wrote it. Actually, there's 240, depending on what school you went to, because some don't believe Paul wrote this or that, or some believe Moses didn't write the... It depends on where you went, but there's 240 authors. I know there's some people, they've been to Bible school and everything, and they go, there's 240 authors? I thought it was God's book. It is God's book. And he spoke to people, they wrote it down, and, and we call it an inspired revelation of Jesus. 
240 different authors. There's 3,237 different characters in this book. Holy moly. 31 guys named Zachariah. It's like in this church, we got a few Glens, we got some Johns, and then my first name's Daryl. We got another Daryl. Woo! There's 31 Zacharias. That's pretty awesome. So when you say Zachariah, which one? Which, which one are we talking about? All right, 31, 31 different. But there's only one story. There's only one story. And it's a story about the love of God for you. That's the story. See, if you're reading stuff out of that story that doesn't go through the filter of that story, you're missing the point of the story. And we're going to read the whole book this year. We're going to find him on every page. And we're going to be transformed because the spirit of life is going to breathe on it all. Because this is a living word. Remember my friend John Crowder, he used to say, there's lots of lines here and you do it line upon line. Uh, I know that was terrible, wasn't it? It's a horrible way to do it. But he said, the word's alive. You're taking it in. Amen. It's a living, living book. Some of you left the room right there. Just messed, messed you up really bad right there. All right, so Jesus is in the Old Testament concealed. So Jesus is in the Old Testament like, right this week, you're going to see, you're going to see a capital H-E. And it says, you know what? The serpent deceived you, but there is one who's going to come, and he will crush his head, and he will strike his heel. But that he is Jesus, and that he is the gospel. It says, right here at the start, let me tell you, right in the middle of it, just right here at the fall, right here at the mass, I'm going to tell you, he, I got a plan, and he is going to crush the devil's head and redeem you. I've already got a plan of redemption. Had it before the whole mess even happened. It's all figured out. It's all worked out. You see Jesus. You're going to see Jesus. We're going to get to the ark. You're going to see how the ark, the ark was a vehicle that saved people. And the interesting thing is you'll read a word called pitch. And it'll say put pitch. In between the boards, put pitch. And you'll just say, oh, pitch. Was that mud, something else? Yes, but you know, the word that was used for pitch is the word atonement. It says put atonement. Let atonement be what fills everything. Cover everything with atonement. What's the atonement? The finished work of the cross. Everywhere in the Old Testament, in these first five days, you're just going to go, look at Jesus, he's everywhere. And you're going to see him everywhere in the scriptures. We're going to get all the way through Abraham. You're going to get all the way to the birth of Isaac in the first week. There's like 500 sermons just in those few days. But somewhere I'm just going to find one. But we're going to read it all together. We're going to get in small groups and we're going to talk about it. And you're going to talk about Jesus, how you saw him on this page, you saw him on this page, and we're going to bless each other. It's going to be so good. How many excited about it already? Oh, I'm so excited. The bookstore's not open yet. So give Rob a break. It's not open yet, but please hit it hard when it's over. Amen? It's special for the first people who go in. It's four for four Bibles for 80. Four Bibles for 80. Specials. All right. So Jesus, he's concealed there. And it says, look at this and this now. Luke 24, 27. Here's the guys on the road to Emmaus, right? Now what happened? Their disciples, they saw Jesus crucified. They went through that whole weekend and they were disturbed by it. They were so disturbed, they turned their backs on Jerusalem and they started walking away. And they were going to a place called a warm bath. 
They were headed towards a lukewarm situation. Headed to Emmaus. And on the way, Jesus catches up with them. And then what does Jesus do? How does Jesus get you back into the fullness of your destiny? How does he do it? It says, from beginning at Moses all the way through the prophecy, he expounded to them all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. Hello! See, what did Jesus do when he broke the word? When he went from Moses all the way through the prophets, when he went all the way through the Old Testament on, a, on I think it was a seven-mile walk, seven miles with Jesus, and Jesus, the word, the living word, taught the word. From Genesis all the way through to Malachi, the word broke the word. And what's important that you see in the Old Testament? You know what you need to see? You need to see me. That's what Jesus did. He revealed himself and did our hearts not burn within us when he shared the word about himself. And where did he find that? That wasn't Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, or the New Testament. It was the Old Testament. In the Old Covenant, the most important parts of it, Jesus shared, here is me all over the Old Testament. So when people say, I don't read the Old Testament, I stay away from that. Don't stay away from that. Jesus brought two guys back into their destiny by revealing himself from Genesis to Malachi. There's such revelation of the grace of God, of the goodness of God everywhere on those pages. And just say, teacher, teacher, open the word to me. Show me Jesus. And you're going to have an amazing year. How many are getting excited? You just want to get your Bible right now and open it. Oh, I hope so. That's what I was praying for. All right, so you got in the Old Testament, Jesus was concealed, but in the New Testament, Jesus is revealed. John 14, 7 and 9. If you had known me, you would have known the Father also. And from now on, you know him and have seen him. He who has seen me has seen the Father. Jesus was the revelation of God in the New Testament. So there's nothing concealed. There's no types or images. Jesus straight up is revealed to us in the Gospels, revealed to us. Now, in the Gospels, we see Jesus like a photograph. Literally, it's like every page is like a picture album. We see Jesus doing stuff. We see Jesus born. We see Jesus growing up. We see Jesus start of his ministry. We see him doing his ministry. And then we see the Passion Week. We see the cross. And we see all of everything, the whole history. Four Gospels writing out the history of the life and the ministry of Jesus Christ. We see it like a photograph so we can look on it and we can see this is Jesus. And he's been proven over and over again. There really was a Jesus and this is who he is. And that Jesus said he is the Son of God. And this is Jesus, and he's revealed to us in those Gospels. It says that we see Jesus, Matthew 9, 35. This Jesus, then Jesus, he went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom. What radical stuff that was. In a time when they had a king, in a time when they said Caesar is Lord, he's saying there's another king in town. What a radical, what a, what a subversive message, Jesus. Some guy who used to be a carpenter said, the spirit of God is upon me, and there's a new king in town. There's a new kingdom, and here it is. There's a new way to operate. There's a new way to experience God. I have come. God, the Father, has authorized me to bring his kingdom into manifestation. What a ridiculous word. But that's what Jesus is preaching. And then what did he do? He preached the kingdom and then he healed every sickness, every disease among the people. I'm not just going to talk to you about the kingdom. We're going to have tell and show. Tell and show. We need tell and show. Where's the show? Where is the show? I don't want to tolerate a single time we gather where there's not a show. 
mean, somebody's got to experience God. I, I, you know, a few weeks back, I felt strongly. And it was Maisie. Maisie right there told me on Friday at our Christmas party. She said, Pastor, I got a word for you. Suicide. And I was like, for me? <laughs> I said, no, 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 not, not, not about you. But somewhere in your journey, that word's going to come to you, and, and God wants you to minister in a situation. Isn't that right, Maisie? Give me a real affirmative nod. Like, yes, Pastor. Thank you. That's awesome. <laughs> so I was like, okay, that's great. Then, you know, that Sunday, as we were just changing over from worship, that, that word came right back to me. And I said, somebody here is despairing of life. You've had a horrible week, and there's something going on. And I said, right now, I'm, I'm not telling that for information. I'm telling that because God wants to deliver you from that attack of the enemy today. But as I was walking out, a lady who doesn't go here, but I know her, and she felt the Lord told her to come here that day. She walked up to me at the end and she said, I've been having some issues with my family. And she said, all week long, I've been thinking the only alternative is to end my life. And I'm in despairing of my life. And thank God I came here today and you had that word. And I prayed with her. And I said, it wasn't information to say, the Lord knows you've had a bad week, sister. The information is followed up with this. The enemy's yoke is shattered in your life right now, and he said it to set you totally free. There's a hope for you in a future. You don't have to be framed by that in any way. Well, that's how God works, right? But I felt the same way today about fear. The very same way. There's people in here that, you know what, your whole situation, your circumstances right now are shaped with fear. There's something going on. You feel crippled. You feel anxious. You don't see hope for a future. Say, God's broken that off you right now. He's not given us a spirit of fear, but love, power, and a sound mind. And don't let fear shape you. And he's broken that. There were so many songs. So many, I, was, I was listening to all the songs George has picked. And almost every song had chains breaking. Chains coming down. Chains breaking off. And I could hear the chains falling off you today. And he's freeing you because he's taking you. He doesn't want anything that you feel limited you in 2018. It shall not enter into this new year. It's a new year. It's a new day. It's a breakthrough for you. Don't fear. Don't fret. Don't despair. Don't be anxious for a thing. Because you know, God has already gone before you and he's worked it out. Just rest in it. And as crazy as that sounds, you know what? Victory is in Jesus' name alone. It was good stuff. I don't know about you, it was good. I wish the sermon was that good because it was really good. Right? So, so in the Gospels, he's revealed. He's concealed in the Old Testament, but he's revealed in the New Testament. But in the Gospels, we see Jesus like a photograph. Then in Paul's letters, Paul's letters, we see like a CAT scan. It's, it's, like, it's like we don't see the outer surface. We see what's going on underneath. So we saw Jesus crucified in the Gospels, but in Paul's writings, we see why he was crucified. We get a revelation of what was at work. I mean, Paul talks about, you saw the crucifixion, but he's like, let me tell you what was going on in the crucifixion. 2 Corinthians 5.19, God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not imputing the trespasses to them, and has committed to us a word of reconciliation at the cross. You know what was going on at the cross? I mean, you saw Jesus dying and giving his life, but what was really going on inside? God was inside that. God himself was in Christ. God the Father, he didn't take off or run away. God God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself. We looked like he was, he was abandoned. He was, he was shamed, but, but God was in this. God was doing something in this to defeat every enemy of your soul and to reconcile you totally without fear to your heavenly father. And so Paul, he'll, we'll go through Paul and we'll see that he's going to tell us what's going on in the eternal purposes of God. 
And he'll start to reveal things to us that, that it's, it's doctrine and it's not nice stories or even bad, ugly stories. It's doctrine. It's revelation about what's going in behind the scenes, what God is doing in redemption and in his eternal purpose. And so there's so many things going on in the word of God. We have to understand the word of God. Romans 5, 17, for if by one man's offense, death reigned through the one much more. Those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through one Christ Jesus. You saw what happened. You saw the photos. You saw the images. But let me tell you what all that meant. All that meant that now God can freely what one man did by screwing it all up, one man now has defeated every opposition. He's victoriously brought you into liberty and freedom. Now you have the gift of forgiveness. You have the abundance of grace and you have the righteousness of God to reign right now in life. Wowzers. That's what was going on. Yes. God wants a community. He wants a family like Madeline said. He wants a real, living, breathing, authentic family with all its warts, scars, and messy stuff who love each other passionately anyways. And they'll manifest the kingdom in all of its glory and they'll demonstrate and you will reign and we will reign and we won't just get through life. We will reign in life. Through one thing, what's my victory in? It's in Jesus Christ alone. Hallelujah. My victory is in Jesus. My victory is in Jesus. My victory is in Jesus. What a day, what a day, what a day. Hallelujah. Makes me want to grab a corn stalk and jump over hell and spit in the devil's eye. <laughs> Jesus. Try that at home. Be careful though. Make sure you're fit enough to attempt that. Call your doctor and see if you're allowed to do that. Oh my God. Jesus. <laughs> The word of God is a superfood for your whole life. I just say that because it's that time of the year, right? All those ads on TV. And I'm almost going to buy a, one of those Max things. What is that? Uh, you know that one you get on the steps and you pull? and You just got to do it 10 minutes a day and you get to look like those people? I'm serious. I got the number written down and trying to convince my wife it's the way to go. She's just not sure if the basement's... Tall enough to do it. I said, I'm not that tall. I could fit under there. So, hey, how many are feeling that? Amen. How many are feeling, Pastor? You should do it. All eyes closed, heads bowed. <laughs> I saw that hand. All right. But it's that time. We're going to give you the superfood right here. You know what? The superfood. Boom. That's the word of God. Proverbs 4, 20, 22. My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. You don't have to buy the Supermax. Just get that superfood in you. Man, that's what it says. Ears, eyes, heart. Get your ears, your eyes, your heart. Get your ears, your eyes, your heart into the superfood, into the word of God. You're going to be more healthy at the end of the year. 
just because you're going to devote yourself every single day, you're going to line upon line. You're going to get into the word of God. And this word is going to change all of your life, all of your experience. I double dog dare you to do this. And at the end of your tummy, yeah, nothing happened. I double dog dare you stand right here in my face at the end of your and try and tell me I read every day and nothing happened. I double dog dare you to do it. Read every day. I'm telling you, your life will be transformed. Because the word is alive. It's alive. It's active and it's powerful. The word of God is the superfood for all of your life. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6. He made us sufficient as ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. And that was Henry again. Henry again talking about the spirit. Saying the spirit's going to come. There's going to come freedom and liberty. It's going to be the word of the spirit. A revelation of the spirit. It's like Henry's got it. He knew I was going to call him and he had the word. Or at least he confirmed that I might have been close to the word myself. It's the spirit. The spirit. The fire to do the Christian life comes from being soaked in the fuel of the story of what has been done. It's just good. I said that to my wife yesterday while we were driving. And I thought it was really good. She just kind of went, that's nice. She was driving, though, but I went, that's good. I'm going to write that down. I said, the fire to do the Christian life comes from being soaked in the fuel of the story of what's been done. It's not adding more logs of what you need to do. It's embracing and saturating, getting intoxicated in the reality of what he has done. It's not about your journey to him. It's about the amazing journey he has made to you. How many want to get back to a good old works theology? Maybe one week out of four, Pastor. Can't you slam us with some works? Can't you beat us up with a list? I forgot one thing. New Year's Day it starts 10 days of prayer. You know what 10 is? 10's a test. So let's see if you could wake up every day and go watch the little video and add a comment that you watched the video and you prayed. And it's a test. So for all those works people out there, let me see if you can do it. Because <laughs> I go back, I've been doing this for years and years and years, and a lot of you can't seem to find where that is. Even though it's emailed to you, it's sent you 25 different ways. But somehow I keep missing the prayer meeting. I even threatened this year that it's going to be physical, 6 o'clock in the morning, be at the church. Now, I know if I did that, there's some of you works people who go, yes, sirree, Bob. I'll be there at 6 a.m. I'll show you how spiritual I am. I'll be there at 5.30 knocking on the door. Where's the pastor? So we made it a little easier. You just got to roll out of bed, pop on the video, pray, leave a comment. Let me say it again for you. Roll out of bed, pop on the little video, read it, make a comment. Let me do it slower. Step one, roll out of bed. Step two, watch the video. Step three, leave a comment. I want to see who's really in the spirit and who isn't. I'm going to be watching every day to see if anybody really cares about the new year or not. I'm believing for great things in the new year. You can't even make a comment on the church prayer blog. Well, I'm busy. Oh, boy, oh, boy. Sorry, Pastor. I was meddling a little bit there. Was I? Stefan? 
Thank you. You liked it, didn't you? You know, Stefan always comments on the prayer blog. And you know what Stefan wonders? Well, what's everybody else doing? Pastor, this church would take off if people actually got with the program. I know, Stefan, but you know what? We got to love them right where they're at. You know? We just receive. We can't take. We can't even have expectations of people. We just have to say, thank you. Okay, moving on. Amen. Wow, did you feel a little bit of condemnation hit the room right there? Just a little bit. That's not from God. Condemnation is not from God. So conviction is, but no condemnation. There's no condemnation to those who don't leave a comment. Oh, thank you, Pastor. Okay, next. Next, let's move on. Let's move on. All right. Uh, 2 Corinthians 3, 16, just down from that, all right? Just down from that. 2 Corinthians 3, in the context of it, it says, for those who the veil is taken away. When the veil is taken away, when you turn to Christ and the veil is taken away, now the Lord is the Spirit. We sang that song today, too. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit is, there's liberty. Now that's actually not the way the verse reads. All right, let me tell you what it is. It says, the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit is Lord, there's liberty totally different, and that's really the way it is in the original. It's not where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. It's where the Spirit of the Lord is Lord. Because you know what? The Spirit of the Lord's here. The Spirit of the Lord is here, but is he Lord? The Spirit of the Lord is here, but where the Spirit of the Lord is revealed to and yielded to as Lord, where that happens, there's emancipation from every form of bondage. Everything. So the veil is taken away. Now the Spirit of the Lord is where the Spirit of the Lord is, and He's Lord. There's liberty, there's emancipation from every form of bondage. But we all, with an unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of God, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. What's He saying? The veil's taken away. What was He talking about? He's talking about the Word. And He's saying, when you come to Him, the Word, the veil on the Word is taken away. You'll approach the Word. <sighs> And you'll go from a glory to glory transition. The word of God this year as you get into it, just that 10 minutes a day if you're a quick reader, 25 if you're slow, but me, 25 minute. I'm paying attention though. That's why it takes me longer. But how many could give up a sitcom? You could give up, a, you know, talking on the phone to that friend all the time, praying apparently. How many, you could find the time to read the word of God. You could actually put God first and get into the word. Tell you, I'm, I tell you, you do that, you're going to go from glory to glory. Face to face, you're going to face to face. It's like, let me know the kisses of your mouth. That's let the word, the word is going to kiss you. Literally, the spirit of God is going to kiss you. He's going to give you mouth to mouth. And you're going to get revelation and spiritual, incredible transformation. All right, let's keep moving, pastor. Is anybody excited yet? How many are just really freaking out about the 10 days of prayer? Okay. John 6, 63. It is the spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. So listen, the Bible isn't mainly about you and what you should be doing. It's about God and what he has done. Hey. That's good stuff. I'm going to miss Judy. Judy's going away for a few weeks down to Florida. Who's going to, who's going to stand and do some intercessory, intercessory, intercessory amens for Judy? Who's going to do it, please? Thank you, Mike. Anyone else, please? Thank you. Amen. And Judy, when you come back, you have to move up. All right, because I'd like to hear the volume. Okay. 
Amen? Amen. It's not about you and what you should be doing. It's about God and what he has done. You can think, you can think too highly of your interpretations of scripture. Let me say that again. I'm not trying to be rude or mean. But listen, you can say this to your neighbor too. You can think too highly of your interpretations of scripture. It's actually possible that you are living in a limited manifestation of the fullness of God because you think too highly of your understanding of Scripture. It doesn't mean the understanding of Scripture is somehow wrong or somehow different. Truth is truth. It's the truth that you think is truth that's the problem. You can think too highly of what you think the Scripture really says. It's possible. It's possible that in a really, really good way, you've limited yourself because you have an interpretation of Scripture that's not really right. Are you okay about that? I'm not trying to be rude to you, but I know a lot of people that think the Scripture says stuff, and I'm going, it really doesn't say that. It doesn't? No. Okay? You okay? All right. But you cannot think too highly of Scripture's view of itself. Thank you. You cannot think too highly of Scripture's view of itself. Don't be afraid. God will lead you to all truth. You don't have to fear. It's a spirit of truth. And God's always there. And it's his good pleasure to give you the kingdom. But don't be afraid going into the new year that you can push a little deeper in your thinking and reflect a little bit on what you believe. Is that okay? I know that, that sometimes disturbs people when you ask them to reflect on why you believe what you believe. You're attacking the foundation of who I am. It's because it's got a great big crack in the foundation. It's letting water in. And you're looking like you're soaking and going to fall over. It is not. It's great. It's awesome. Okay, never mind. Who does not like the visuals? Okay. Thank you. All right. It is a book about Jesus. Get a revelation of how much he loves you and realize that who you are in him. Paul Ellis said, everything in the Bible is helpful, but not everything is helpful to you. And that's true. It's all when you, when you flatline read the Bible, there's stuff in there you think has something to do with you. Don't go kill the Philistines. There's some meaning behind that. There's a revelation of Christ even underneath that. But you don't need to go kill anybody. Okay, that's just one little example. I could give you so many more that people struggle with, but we want to see Jesus on every page. How many are still here? How many ate a lot of turkey and you're getting tired right now? Okay, all right. Okay, I'm almost done. Say thank you, Pastor. Josh McDowell. How many heard of Josh McDowell? Josh McDowell, he's a, an apologist. He's a kind of a philosopher guy. But you know, Josh McDowell, he was in law school and he's hanging out and he's hanging out with some people that were Christians. He went to this group and he said, I can't believe you people believe this. You believe that there's a Jesus. You believe that this Bible is like some word from God. I can't believe you people are like this. So he straight up, he went, he went, he took time off school. He left school to go to Europe. He went to the highest places of, of learning and theology he could go. And he said, I'm going to once and for all just show these people, stop being stupid. He said, I'm going to personally do a massive service to all you ignorant Christians that are leaning on this crutch of a false god. I'm going to personally, once and for all, just show you guys your whack jobs. That's what he wanted to do. And he went and he said, I had to admit that this Jesus, who was more than a carpenter, he was all that he claimed to be. Not only did my research turn me around intellectually, it also answered all three questions that I started on my journey and his own personal quest for happiness. He answered the questions, who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? The going got 
lost behind my logo. But he said, everything that I wanted to know about life, I found in the word of God. And in my pursuit to discredit him, I found him. And in finding him, I found myself. And you're going to find Jesus on every page. And in finding him, you're going to find yourself. You're going to find fulfillment. You're going to find happiness. And you're going to find peace. One more slide. Revelation 1, 6, and 7, to him who loved us, and he washed us from our sins in his own blood, the blood of God. He has made us kings and priests to his God and Father. To him, how's the glory going to come? How's the forever and ever manifestation of the glory going to come? He loved us, he washed us, he made us. What's it all about, Alfie? It's about God Almighty, his pursuit of you, to bring you into your rightful place, to reign and rule in life, and to be a priest and a king of Almighty God, and to cause his glory and his dominion to fill everything in every way, forever and ever. Amen. Josh McDowell went to disprove him. He found him, and he found himself. You're going to find yourself. It's going to be a year of incredible destiny, a year of incredible release, a year of incredible growth, a year of you being released into things that you've only hoped and dreamed about for years. It's going to uncap, uncap and pop things in your destiny because we're going on the Jesus trip together. Amen. Come on, stand up with me. Sorry about that. I, I hadn't preached for a week, so I, I had to go a little longer. I, actually, go on, bow your heads, close your eyes. Everybody pray. Everybody pray. You know, this whole story, his story, his story is about how much he loves you. And his story is about the journey that he has made to pursue you. And you know what it is? It is a superfood. It can touch every single aspect of your life, and it should. It should deliver you, free you, and liberate you in every way. But the first thing I want you to do is I want you to find Jesus today. And you know, if you're here today and you've never said, Jesus, be my Lord and Savior, if you've never heard the message of the goodness of God in his pursuit of you, and he says, I want you in my family, welcome home. If you've never heard that, he wants you to hear it so clearly today that you are my child. And this is all about you. It's about my hot pursuit of you. He's crazy about you and he wants to bring you into his family. But you still have the choice. You still, it's still up to you. He's done all of that. He's done this, he's done this huge generational journey from eternity. He's come to bring you into his house. But what do you say? What do you say? Would you say today, Jesus, be my Lord and Savior? If you've never done that before, I want you to pray with me. But if you've never done it, I'm going to count to three. And I'm going to go one, two, three. And I'm going to ask you to put your hand up and say, yes, pastor, pray for me. Yes, pastor, pray for me today. You ready? One, two, three. Put your hand up very high. Put it up very high so I can see it. Very high. Anyone. Another thing we have to commit to. We got to commit to invite. So just say to yourself, I commit myself to invite in the new year. I commit myself to, I commit myself to get people into the presence of God. To get them into the corporate anointing. To get them into this place. Because you know what? If we'll get them here, they'll accept him. If we get them here, they'll see him. If we get them here, they'll, they'll know his love for them. They'll come into the kingdom. Let's be an inviting culture. Father, we love you. We bless you. We honor you. I do pray as we enter into this season, thank you. Thank you for the word. Thank you for the wisdom of giving us your word. 
We thank you that your word is powerful. We thank you that your word is an active revelation of Jesus. Father, as we get in the word, Holy Spirit, divine teacher, illuminate that word. Make it so clear to us. Let Jesus jump off the page and let us see the passion of your whole redemptive story. So we thank you for that today. I pray, I pray, Lord, as pastor over this house, which is such an honor, I pray that we would just stir a hunger for your word that would just be deposited. I pray that, uh, like Henry said, we want you to be infected in a good way. We want to get your word. We want to have your word. We want to be infectious. We want to be so infectious that we freely we receive, freely we give. Lord, wherever we are, we give it away so easy because we're so infected with the goodness and the grace of God. So, Father, I just thank you for each one here today. Thank you for the glorious season we have had of celebrating God is with us. We just thank you, Father, that you really, really are. We pray as we step in, as we enter into this new year, Lord. We just thank you that we can turn the page. If I colored outside the lines a couple times, I could just start over. I'm just going to turn the page. And I thank you, Father, for a fresh start. If there's things people want to leave in 2018, they want to say, you know what, I guess you leave that back. Lord, let it be a filter where those things don't come through. But there's a freshness, a clearness, and a cleanness in our experience, Lord, that is beautiful. And so, Father, we thank you, though, for 2018. We thank you that you're faithful in all that you do. And we know that you're going to crown this year with your glory. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, our wonderful Savior, but also our joint heir, with the great, great love of the Father, by the power and the authority and anointing of the Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit, I bless this house. And I send them now in your precious name, blessed, favored, and honored in all they do for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. The altars are open right now. We got prayer folks who are assigned and they're coming up right now. And if you need prayer for anything today, please, these folks are ready to go when they're ready to pray for you, to prophesy over you, to heal you, to give you a word of revelation and understanding. Bless you. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. And God bless you all.